Thank you for listening to the Renovation Church podcast. We're a family that believes you matter, and together we can do something that matters. We hope that this podcast aids you in your spiritual journey toward Jesus. If we can serve you on that journey, please let us know by visiting our website, renovationchurch.com. We always love to hear how the ministry of renovation is impacting your life. The best way to let us know is by leaving a review or tagging us on social media. Wherever you are in the world, know that Jesus loves you and we love you. Enjoy the podcast. But it's so good to be with you all today. For those of you who are here in the room and for those of you joining us online, uh, welcome to our very first Legacy Sunday. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, This is an exciting day, and as as I said at the top of our time, we uh, already had a powerful, powerful first gathering, and and, uh, I believe the Lord met us in a wonderful way, and and I believe he's going to do the same and is doing the same here now. Uh, Now, for those of you who are wondering, what is Legacy Sunday? Well, Legacy Sunday is our opportunity to do four things, okay? Uh, But before we jump into that, I want you to be able to follow along, and uh, you can scan this one for the Bible App event, and then if you want to get our annual report... Uh, which you will be receiving in your email uh, in January, but you can go ahead and get it here early now if you'd like to. Uh, That's going to share with you all of the things we've been able to accomplish over the last year. And uh, it really has been a wonderful year. I'll get into some of the details of that as we move along our time, but the Lord has just been so kind to us this year. And that is what Legacy Sunday is for. Uh, It's first of all an opportunity to celebrate what God has done through our church over the last year. It's our opportunity to get a sense of what God could do next year uh, as we prepare for our corporate fast and for Vision Sunday. Uh, We're going to hear some powerful stories from members of our church family as well as one of our local partners. Uh, And then we're going to give a special all-in offering so that we can do even more to bless those around us. Now, I'm going to go back one out of kindness because I know I move quickly. If you didn't get a chance to get that, you got 10 seconds right now in Jesus' name. Eight, seven, six, spirit be a fence. Five, four, three, two, one. Now, uh, completing projects and giving gifts to make a difference in the lives of other people is a powerful thing. It really is. But it can be easy to let our focus drift to what we accomplish and not to the why of what we are doing. And the why behind this day and the rest of December as we complete our legacy gifts is this, that we bring our first and our best to God. Why? Because he gave us his first and best in Jesus. Amen? Amen. And if we are followers of the way of Jesus, then this is not a sacrifice for us. You hear me say this all the time. For a follower of the way of Jesus, bringing back our first and our best or giving is not a sacrifice because it is a response to what we have already been given. God entrusts to us resources, not just for us, but for the joy of our returning a portion of that back to him so that we can see the people in his church and his kingdom and his world continue to flourish by his hand. Now, today in the remainder of the month, we have one specific goal, and I need you to hear me on this. And if you, again, if you're online, lean in for this. We have one goal, and that is 100% participation. And I'm going to tell you over the course of our time today, it's going to be a little bit of a different sermon. I'm not going to do a lot of preaching today. We're going to hear stories. We're going to talk through some things. But, but the reality is from beginning to end, there's one goal. 
one goal, and that is 100% participation. And there's a reason that that's important, and there's a reason that it will be powerful. And I believe that if we are able to do that 100% all in, no one left out, then we will see God do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ask, think, or dream. The amount of the gift doesn't matter. 100% participation is the goal today. And you all will have an opportunity to participate in that. But before we do, let's go to the word of the Lord. Uh, if you're following along in the Bible app event or a good old paper Bible, we're in First Chronicles chapter 29. And here's what he says. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from who? You alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand and at your discretion. People are made great and given strength because of you. O our God. We thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I? This is my prayer today. And who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you. And we give you only what you first gave us, the word of the Lord. And we say together, thanks be to God. Father, we pray now for the power of your word. And we pray that our hearts are moved today as we not only explore your word, but hear the stories of those people in your community who are living out your way in a way that continues to extend your kingdom. In Christ's name, amen. At this time, I'm going to welcome my friend Chad Kirkendall to the stage. Would you welcome him well? <laughs> Renovation point five. I met Chad before we were even a church. It's good to see you today, brother. So Hope and Chad actually lead our legacy team along with a few others. Uh, you, uh, you will hear from another family today uh, at another point in our time. But what I wanted to do today was hear their story so that you're not just hearing me talk through this. And the first thing I want to ask you, Chad, is uh, tell us a little bit about your giving story. In fact, you texted me. You said the Lord put a word on your heart. Yeah. So uh, we got five minutes to receive it. Let's go. All right. <laughs> well, uh, there's so many... It was hard. My wife, Hope, and I, when we sat down and thought about all the different things that God has done in our lives, it was hard to choose one, and there's so many. And one of the big things that we wanted to encourage and say that we, in a moment of life, in a season of life, an adventure, I call it, in our life, we were heavy in credit card debt. Mm. Just like most people, we can see statistically in this nation, heavy in credit card debt. And it was bad, real bad. And through that, though, we were like, okay, God, give us the wisdom, give us the strength to get out of this. But there's one thing that we did not want to have a non-negotiable. It was us consistently tithing. Mm. And, and we brought that to God saying, God, we, we are in some deep doo-doo here, but we, and we need your help. Uh, it, it, it's true. And we're like, but we're not going to waver on this. And through that season, God did amazing and mighty things. And I feel like because of our faithfulness, because of our obedience in our sacrifice, yeah, 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 he yeah. saw that. And then he's like, okay, now... I see that you're willing to give that to me in the turmoil and what the world would say, fear, anxiety. I don't know how to get myself out of this situation. You trusted me in this situation. And now because of that, I'm going to do amazing and mighty things, not only in your life, but in your finances as well. Yeah, And amen. we've seen that through our life. And um, uh, my amazing, beautiful, and wise wife, hashtag brownie points, um, 
She hopefully, watching the stream right hopefully, now. Hopefully she's watching he loves you, girl. Yeah, Ain't nobody amen. like you in the whole world. That's right. Amen, girl. The Lord gave her a word, and she sent it to me, and um, it was powerful. And what God said to us, we can't have God heal our hearts until we actually give him our hearts. Okay. We can't have God renew our minds until we give him our minds. Uh-huh. And God can't bless our finances until we give it to him. Exactly My God. And My it's God. the peripheral, she said, fish and loaves. That story in the Bible where this little boy had just fish and loaves and he gave it to Jesus. And that's all he had. Now, I was thinking, too, this boy was listening to Jesus preach all day. So he saw the power. He saw it. And he says, I'm going to give you, Jesus, what I have. You need something. You need food. This is all I got. And Jesus took it, raised it up, blessed it. And then we hear the story. Well, afterwards, they fed 5,000 people and then had leftovers from that. Because a boy decided to, um, to obey and sacrifice what he had to God. Yeah. Yeah. And he says, okay, God, this is my finances. This is what I have. And I want you to do something amazing and mining in it. But there's a step that has to take to do that. Yeah. And, and what's wild about that story, let me be, go Bible nerd on you yeah, for yeah, one yeah, second, yeah. is it's not just that he fed 5,000 people. He fed 5,000 men. Men, yeah, not including and the women and the children. Not including the women and the children. So yeah. we're talking about 20,000 or so people from just a few loaves and a piece of fish. Yeah. When he put it in the hands of the Lord, the Lord was able to multiply it so that it could do more than it could do yeah. just in, these little boy, in this little boy's yeah. hand. So for, for us today, and, and you again, you've been a part of this church before we were a church. One day we'll have time to share that yeah, story. Man, yeah. sure. uh, we met at another church. Uh, I didn't steal him. They were just visiting. We just visited. They were just visiting, and I was visiting. Yeah, it was the first time we were visiting that church, and it was the first time you were visiting that yeah, church. Yeah, we was just both visiting. We were just visiting. And I was like, what's up, man? You hey. was like, what's up? And I was hey. like, hey, you want to help me plant a That's church? That's right. And you was like, yeah, sure. I mean, literally and like that. I remember that. that day, too, you were wearing fly white shoes. I was. And I, I was. I just got white shoes. And I was like, oh, yeah. Come on now. All right. So, so as a senior statesman in this body, why is it important for our whole church to join you on this journey? Uh, the biggest thing I can say is that when it comes to so many things in our lives, it's uh, baffling sometimes how, for most people, the biggest struggle is money. And you've preached this over and over again, and you're probably going to say it in this message, that it's not ours. It's God's in the first place. He gives it to us and says, I'm trusting it with you. Um, and so out of obedience, we need to give it back to him and say, God... Um, this is my heart. I believe that you can hold all things together. I love that song. Because mm -hmm. if we believe he holds all things together, he holds all things together in everything in our life, especially our finances. That's right. Um, and getting behind that because usually, uh, statistically here, especially in America, there's two things when it comes to finances. Either people just spend it willy-nilly, and that's why we have massive credit card debt, or people save it up because they want security. Mm. They want to say, I want retirement. I want to, just in case something bad happens, I have my nest egg stored away. and I'm assuming, So everything that I have is going to be storing up, retirement, whatever it may be. Um, and they're missing out. Because God says, I can bless you. I can help you. I can protect you in the moments where you're thinking you need to save it up. But also I can bless you in the things that God, I'm going to do in you. Guess what? If you take that money that you were going to spend on something that we all know is going to um, come to rost. It's going to degrade. It's going to go away. We're going to get tired of it in about a year, sometimes in just a month. And you take that and you trust in me. Look at the amazing and mighty things I'm going to do. Look at the healing I'm going to do. But you got to step out in faith. you got to sacrifice and then obey and see what I can do. And that's what I love about um, what God says in our finances. Test me. Yeah. Test me. Show up. 
I'll show up if you show up. Mm. But you got to show up first. And that's the biggest thing is that my encouragement to you is show up. See what happens. Um, and it's almost like I thought uh, uh, what we used to say back in the 90s, man. Back, I'm a double dog dare you. You remember that? Yep. I'm a dare you. No, I'm a double dog I'm dare you. I'm a triple dog I'm a dare triple you. Dog, yeah, exactly. I'm like, can't we say the same thing here? I triple dog dare you to give your finances to God, to trust God with your finances and see what happens. Yeah. Amen. I, I triple dog dare you. Amen. Thank you so much, hey, my, my brother. Right. Appreciate you. So back in August, uh, we did a series called Legacy, if you recall. And, and over that, the course of that series, I walked you guys through kind of the five stages of a generosity journey. And the last stage of that journey is called the surrendered giver stage, which is the stage to which I hope we would all be aspiring. In fact, it's the one that uh, Brianna and I have been talking about a lot, and I'll get to that in a moment. But the, the surrendered giver stage is, is a stage in life where uh, you are in a state of total surrender, and that state of total surrender leads to extravagant, maybe even to some on the outside, irrational giving. People in this stage of the journey have an even more profound question that they live by. You see, in, in certain parts of this journey, we ask the question, what should I give? What do I have to give? What am I required to give? Listen, for those of us who are extra spiritual, we'll say, what do I get to give? But at this stage of the journey, the question changes. And you're actually asking, what does God want me to keep from what he has given? No longer am I trying to manage my stuff on God's timeline. I understand that God is managing his stuff through my stewardship. And everything changes. And there are two stories uh, that powerfully illustrate this. One is from the Bible. We've already read part of it in First Chronicles. And in this uh, story, David, as I just said, Israel's beloved and revered ancient king, he's getting ready to transition. He wants to build a house for God and for God's people. But God says, you have too much blood on your hands. You, you fought too many battles. You, you, you've killed too many people. You've gone too far. I love you, but you can't build my house. And so David puts the task on his young son, who he calls young and inexperienced in the face of this great work that will be built for God. And because the task is enormous, David says that he has leveraged every resource that he has. The gold that he has, the silver that he has, the bronze that he has from the kingdom's storehouse, the iron that he has, the wood that he has, everything that he has access to as the leader of the people of God from the storehouse of the people of God, he has leveraged for this task. And it seems fitting that he would do this. He's a king. He is the leader. But then he goes further, right? He goes further. And he says to the people, moreover, in addition to all that I have provided for the holy house, I have taken from my own gold and silver. And because of my devotion to the house of God, I give it to the house of my God. The text goes on to say that he is donating 112 tons of gold. 262 tons of refined silver. And in fact, Chad did the math for me several weeks ago, but I forgot it and I forgot to write it down. But I believe it was in the billions of dollars, the billions of dollars that he gave from his personal resources in order to extend the kingdom of God. Hear those words again. His devotion to God and his people inspired what many would consider an irrational gift. Now, admittedly, this is a place where Brianna and I are striving and have struggled. Can I just be honest for a second? You see, I've given all my life. I have. I've always given and I've always tithed. 
And then a couple of years ago, we decided to start increasing our giving and feeling pretty good about it. And I told a couple of the pastors Saturday morning at prayer, you need to be at prayer Saturday morning. Saturday morning at prayer, we prayed about this, about our hearts, because what does the Bible say? Jesus says that where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So this is not about your hands, it's about your heart. Okay? And we prayed about that Saturday morning. And, and at the end of that passage, again, you know this because you're good Bible students, it says at the end of that passage, you cannot serve both God and mammon. Now, most of your translations say money, but that's not the word. Sorry for going all super biblical nerd on you. The Greek word is mammon, not money. And the reason why it's mammon is because mammon, anybody old enough to remember Jerry Maguire? Mammon is more than money. It's quan. It's that quan. It's the money, it's the power, it's the respect, it's the prestige. It's everything that comes along with liquidity. And Jesus says, either you're going to serve that or you're going to serve me, but you can't serve both. And how do you know if you're serving me or if you're serving that? Open up your bank statement, it'll tell you everything. And so Saturday morning, we were praying through that. And I told a couple of the pastors, I said, listen, I'm, 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 at a, I'm at an interesting place right now because we've been consistently giving over 10% for several years now. And the Lord's like, I want you to up it. And I got offended. I'm already doing more than the standard, Lord. I'm already doing more than most people. Listen, we know statistically only 15% of any local church actually gives anything. I'm already doing more than the same. I'm already, and he, and he said, and that tells me where your heart is. You see, even in generosity, we can still walk in entitlement. I'm just talking about me right now. Can I tell you my story real quick? Even in generosity, we can walk in a little bit of an entitlement because we're already doing more than everybody else. And the Lord says, I'm not looking at them. I'm looking at you. And I'm asking you to do what I'm asking you to do. And I'm going to ask them to do what I'm asking them to do. And if you'll do what I'm asking you to do and they'll do what I'm asking them to do, then we can see exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ask, think, or dream. Amen. But as long as you're worried about what they're doing. Then I can't get through you what I want to get through you. So that's where we are right now. And trying to decide what that is. And I'm challenged by a man named R.G. Letourneau. He was a businessman at the turn of the century. And uh, like me, this is why I brought him up. Like me, he had always given good. He, he had always tithed. He had always given more than his tithe. And then one day, the Lord said, I want you to switch up the split. I want you to split, switch up the split. And rather than you keeping 90 and, and me getting 10, I'm going to keep 90 and you're going to get 10. And R.G. said, I don't know about that. And, and like all good godly men who finally wise up, his wife came to him, yeah, Evelyn, come on. That's right. and said, you better do what the Lord told you to do. That's wisdom right there. Get you a wife who will check you when you're disobeying the Lord. And look what he said. He, he, he turned his heart and, and he obeyed the Lord and he began to give 90% to the Lord and 10%. They kept for themselves. And this is what he would say about it. He said, it's not how much of my money I give to God, but how much of God's money I keep for myself. 
That's a mentality shift, right? And as he began to practice this, God began to give him more. It's incredible. I don't even have time to get into all of it. The more they gave away, the more money would show up. And when somebody interviewed him about it, he remarked this way. I love this quote. He says, I shovel out the money, and God shovels it back in, but God has a bigger shovel. In fact, listen to this. By 1959, after giving $10 million away, his foundation was still worth $40 million because it kept coming in. Guys, this is not health and wealth gospel. I'm not telling you that you're going to wish a Lamborghini into your driveway. What I am telling you, though, is that these are biblical principles. And God tells us over and over again that if we bring him our first fruits, he will bless us. That if we give, it'll be given back to us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And that the measure to which we give is the measure that, listen, you can't get anything into a closed fist. But you can put plenty in an open hand. In fact, did you know that Jesus talked about money more than heaven or hell or anything else in the New Testament? Why do you think he did that? We got a bunch of people preaching on heaven, we got a bunch of people preaching on hell, and we got a bunch of people scared to talk about money. Because it's the chief idol in the American church. But Jesus talked about it more than either one of those things. Why? Because he understood that your eternality was directly tied to how you viewed what God put in your hands. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Last quote here that I hope challenges you as it challenged me. John D. Rockefeller said, I would have never been able to tithe the first million dollars I ever made if I had not tithed my first salary, which was $1.50 per week. You see, a lot of us, and, and I would be included in this camp even now, again, I told you, I've always given above my tithe, uh, my tithe, and I've started to give above my tithe over the last 10 years, and even now I'm at this point where God's saying I want more, and I'm like, eh, I don't know. Here's the rea- If I had a little more, I would give a little more. But the reality is, the reality is, if we had more, we still wouldn't give more. That's why the Bible says, he or she that is faithful with a, God will give We want the much, but we haven't been faithful with the little. And so it's easy to believe that if we had just a little more, we'd start to do this. But the reality is no. If you can't do it with $1.50, you're certainly not going to do it with a million dollars. You want a million-dollar life? Start to live to a million-dollar generosity. That's how that goes together. Now, um, before we hear from our next guest, I want to walk us through the things that God did do this year. Because this ain't a smack up or a beat down. This is an encouragement. Because God has done some incredible things through our church over the course of this year. In in January, uh, I cast the vision for this body and the things that we wanted to see across this year. And much of it has happened. Our first priority was that we would pursue our vision of seeing the world awaken to the wonder of God and his transcultural church. By being and helping people become those that know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Which is our strategy. And that in doing so, we will continue to embody our values to shape our culture within and beyond our church by behaving as Jesus-centered, spirit-led, socially conscious, and a transcultural community. We have done that. And because we have done that, we've seen God do incredible things. We establish healthy rhythms and discipleship opportunities to grow spiritually as disciples who make disciples. How? By having three life-giving small group semesters. Can we give a shout-out to our small group director and the great work he's doing? We pulled off our first marriage conference, and a lot of marriages were helped. Amen. Uh, We had our first singles conference. Our single folks pulled that together and did a beautiful job. It was incredible. 
Uh, we had our first motion student night this fall, our motion student conference uh, that we went to in July, and then we had a host of baptisms. Not only that, but we deepened our walk with Jesus as a community through preaching, prayer, and worship. 21 days of prayer and fasting in January and August, and we saw breakthroughs. Uh, we started First Wednesdays, which have been incredible, and we had eight transformative sermon series, which almost killed me in Jesus' name. Now, Priority four, we serve those on the margins of culture and society. For those of you who may not have been here, we partnered with World Vision to do something called Chosen. And no shade on anybody for the way they do anything, but we were intrigued by this because instead of them handing us a picture of a little child from the Philippines or from Africa or from South America, they came here, they took our picture, they took our pictures back to Africa, and the children got to choose us. And it was powerful. Not only that, but we had an incredible serve day, a couple of hundred people descending on this local neighborhood and serving the people around us and taking care of our own facility as well. Uh, we deepened our relationship with compassion as we continue to sponsor and be in relationship with those children. And then we hosted our first ever KAA camp, which was a couple of hundred children uh, all over this property for, uh, for several days. And it was a beautiful beautiful opportunity. Not only that, but we grew as generous people and responded to the gospel by bringing our first and our best to God because he gave his first and his best in Jesus. And we have an opportunity to fulfill that fully uh, over the course of this year and into the next. Our family grew in number of gifts and givers by 10%. And then, of course, today we're hosting Legacy Sunday. Uh, we welcomed our first partners into the Center for Human Flourishing, the Academy, which is a specialized school for children with dyslexia. And then the Gao School of the Chinese Art and culture. They both meet in our space five days a week uh, upstairs. And then we reach more people. Yeah, amen. Wow to that. Uh, we reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ through the public launch of Water Place, through our movie theater advertisements by relaunching the podcast. We grew renovation online literally by thousands, and we had two powerful Easter gatherings. Now, uh, here are the things that we did not accomplish. And I think we'll be uh, irresponsible and dishonest to celebrate all the things we got done and not say, hey, here are some things aspirationally that we would love to see in the next year that we didn't get done this year. We wanted to host a uh, VBS for elementary kids. We didn't get it done. We wanted to launch a prison campus. That was something deep in my heart, but we just did not get to the place where we could do that. We wanted to host a freedom conference, which is specifically for people dealing with unique bondages and getting free from that. We weren't able to do that yet. And then our men's night, our women's night, and our leadership conference. These are all things that were in our hearts to do that we simply did not get done, but hopefully in 2023, we will tick some of these off as well as God continues to work in and through our body. Now, if you remember, we set a budget of 20, for 2022 of $900,021. And I can tell you with great joy in my heart, as of 9 a.m. this morning, that is the generosity. And that is worthy of celebrating. And listen... That's with only 15% of our body giving. Can you imagine what that number would be and what we would be able to do if we were actually all in? 15% did that. 50%, we finished this building. 100%, we changed the world. If we can do this, if we can do all that we did this year on 15%, can you imagine? the church we could be if all of us were all in 100%. And that is the hope, that is the goal, that is the desire. 
Now, I want to cast a little bit of vision for next year, and then I want to hear from one of our partners. But before we do that, I want to invite the Myers up to share with us their giving story and their inspiration for being a part of the Legacy team. Come on. I speak to fire. Talking about her, not me. Sir. Would y'all introduce yourselves? Flip that button up right there. And introduce yourselves to everybody and everybody watching online. I'm Yosh. I'm Quentin Myers. <laughs> that was perfect. Perfect. So share with us a little bit of your heart and giving story. In fact, you may have something on your heart, but there's one specific story that I love. And it's a check you wrote to yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Was that the one you planned to share today? Yeah. Oh, bless God. Look at this. Come on, Holy Ghost. Well, uh, October 2017, um, my husband and I were sitting down, and I'm like, you know what? We've been a giver all of our lives, and I've never tested God, never. And it was just something that just came over us, and I'm like, let's do it. Let's write out a check. So I took out my checkbook. I wrote out a check and the number that I wanted to see. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to test God, but I really thought maybe it would take 15, 20 years to see the check cashed, right? Four years, four years later, which was last year, the Lord did it. Unbelievable, unexpected, um, I did it. I mean, I tested the Lord and he did it. What else is there to say? Now, now specifically, there was a certain amount you wanted to give. In order to give that amount, there was a certain amount that God had to give. And this was beyond anything y'all had ever dreamed that y'all would ever see oh coming to y'all's house. Yeah. And then the Lord did it. Yeah, he did. And you responded faithfully in giving that gift. Yeah, yeah. Not only did the Lord do it, he did it multiple times over. Come on. Multiple times. And I said, Lord, you can do anything. Anything. I always believed that the Lord could do something exceedingly abundantly, but to see it in my own finances, this is not something that I read on a book or this is my experience. This is our experience. Yeah. And I saw the Lord do it. Amen. So now I want to tell everybody, Amen. test God. But, but first, the thing is, you have to bring in the whole tithe, right? Amen. Everybody can't test God. That's what the word says. Bring in the whole tithe. Come on, preach. And then... And then you can test God. Come on. And so that's what we did. Um, you want to add anything? Uh, I think the specifics around the whole um, testing God scenario was that he actually provided like a couple days from the date that she actually put on there. Oh, man. I was even like, girl, you crazy. Like, why would you write that? But now after experiencing this, we regret not testing God more because like, he blew our minds, and it's just, it's just been a blessing to us, our faith, and our family. Yeah. yeah. What has this type of radical faith and generosity done with your walk with God, with your marriage, with your, like, just give us a little bit of the impact of, of what it's been like in your home, in your life, in, in, in your relating to God, and your relating to each other to, to walk in this kind of radical faith and generosity. After seeing that, we know what God can do. He works in impossible situations, and it just invigorates us to want to share and let people know that there's freedom in that. There's freedom in your worshiping God and your giving. Uh, he gives his first and his best, 
and it's, it's literally the first decision we make in our finances. And he's Lord over that, and everything else falls into place. That's right. Amen. So, as again, as longtime members, y'all have a beautiful story. I ain't going to tell it all. But, you know, I, was, I played matchmaker on this one, and, and I felt like I did a fantastic job. Uh, I, I've known Q since we were teenagers. Um, and so to be standing here with you today, um, Q and, and my late brother Christopher were very good friends. And I was the older brother that pestered them at every opportunity. And uh, when he showed up at MLK so many years ago, and then they got together, it was just a fulfillment of so many good things in my heart. And so as, as long-time members and being invested in this body, why, why is it important to you? Not to me, not to the, the leadership. Why is it important to you that all of renovation is all in? In, in, this, uh, in this offering, in this opportunity, and in continuing to practice bringing their first and their best back to God? Um, well, first, the word says to give. So we want to be obedient, right? We want to do what the word says do, and we want to do it faithfully and consistently, right? So not only do we do it because he says do it, but we want to do it. And not only that, there's blessings, there's promises attached to the word that God says. And we have power to access that, right? Yeah. God is obligated to keep his word. Did you know that? He has to. He said it. He has to do That's it. Right. But then we have a responsibility too, right? So we have to give. And we got to be all in. This is God's house. This is God's house, right? And we want to just be all in and bring all of our, our gifts, our tithes, our offerings to God. Yeah, amen. And yeah, that's appropriate. That's appropriate. She preaching. Now she, she preaching better than y'all talking, but that's all right. And, and adding to that, just seeing the list of things, the priorities we have at this house, we want to see those things come through fruition. Like we give to renovation, but we also give through renovation. So knowing the lives that are going to be impacted Amen. is really the fruit of what our giving is. Right. And it just it brings joy to our hearts yeah. to even get to do that. Yeah. Mm. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate you. Thank you, family. The reason why I wanted you guys, as I said, to hear from multiple voices is just so that you know this is not me trying to push some agenda that I have. I I believe in what the Lord is doing through this house, and, and I believe that if we are all in on it, that we'll see even more than we have seen. He's been good to us over this year. He has been, and we've been able to accomplish a lot of great things, things that I never thought we would be able to get done. And so the call for us today, if you're a follower of Jesus' way, the call for us is very simple. It's very clear. It's to join God on the journey towards surrendered generosity. I know we're all at different stages. We covered that in the Legacy Series. You can go back and listen to it if you like to. But the reality is where we should all be aspirationally headed is toward this idea of surrendered generosity. And I believe that if we do this, we will see the fruit of the Word of God, which says, honor the Lord with your substance and with your first fruits of all your produce. Then, right, this is an if-then clause for the teachers and administrators in the house. 
I, I, I got my English together, right? This is if then. So if you honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Now, I know most of us don't have barns and I know most of us wish we had vats. But what is actually being said here is this is an illustrative, illustrative euphemism. And what the word is saying is that when you trust God with the first fruits of what he places in your hands, then every storehouse you have in whatever way, it will be overflowing. That is the promise of the word of God. If we want to walk in the promises, we have to actually walk, as Joseph just told us, in the obedience that accompanies those promises. And so when we give God our first and our best, what? We will be blessed, period, point blank. Last word. And, and, I, and I want to rest it here uh, before I invite Principal Gillahan up to share his heart with us. If one first gives himself to the Lord, all other giving is easy. That's where it starts. You're going to have an opportunity to do that in a moment. But first, if you would, welcome Principal Gillahan up to the stage. There you go, sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you for letting me be here. Well, thank you for being here. Uh, I know you said at the last gathering, and I'll, and I'll jump ahead, you were going to film, or actually Sam, Dr. Crowley, asked you to film something, but you said you wanted to be in the house. I did, I did. I was asked to give a little video message, but I'm a little older, so I like being in person instead of the social media. <laughs> yes. And I am the one that is blessed being here. I, I told you a while ago that I have to shine my shoes now because you stepped all over them this <laughs> These two messages. <laughs> he told I tell you, me. that first one, I was like, okay. But then this second one, I even got more. So I'm going to have to really shine my shoes now. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, he said, I came to talk this morning and not have my toes stepped on. <laughs> but, but it's all a blessing. Well, I'm so glad you are here. And uh, first, would you tell us uh, what you do here in the community? Uh, yes, uh, I am the lucky principal of Wheeler High School. I have been. This is my fourth year. And... Uh, you know, I shared with you earlier that when I started four years ago, I like to know the community that I serve. And so I drove around, and one of the things that really stood out to me, and you may not even know it, is our attendance zone for Wheeler goes all the way down Cobb Parkway to the river. The battery and everything is ours, yet our school is way up here. And when you look at, the, especially this area right here, there's not a lot of opportunities like parks and boys and girls clubs and after school activities for our students to participate in. And that really hit me hard. So when Sam reached out and he told me where you were located and I didn't do a drive by until this morning and then I was blown away when I pulled up through here because my mind started going through this church could really bless this community even more. Yeah. What, what do you think is the most important, or a better way to phrase that is, why is it important for the schools to have partners like renovation, like local churches? Well, you know, I started my teaching career in Louisiana, then Mississippi, and then now uh, here in Georgia for the last 17 years. And everywhere I've gone, uh, we've had uh, religious faith-based organizations that partnered with us because, you know, we have the students from 745 to 345, and then they go home or to their community. And a lot of times, if we're not filling them with the things that they need in their lives, 
it will be filled in other ways. Mm. So we have to be there to mentor our students and help out. And we, as an educational institution, can't do it all in that short amount of time. Yeah. Now, um, one thing you mentioned earlier that I think is very important, especially for those of us who are uninformed, uh, when we hear Wheeler High School, I mean, it was my thought. It's like, Wheeler High School, we don't, Wheeler High School need to partner with us, right? Give us some of that East Cobb money, help us get this thing going. Sure. But Wheeler is an East Cobb, and yet at the same time, you have a very diverse population of students and a lot of hurting students. And there was something you shared this morning that I think is very important yeah, for us to hear. Um, before I took the position that I'm in, I'd only been to Wheeler once, and it was for a meeting. I, I, and I had the same perception that most of the community does, that Wheeler is an East Cobb school. And because of that, it's probably affluent. Um, but because of our attendance zone, we have Delk Road, we have all the way down Cobb Parkway, uh, we have a lot of extended stays in hotels and, and apartments. We have over 40% of our students are on free and reduced lunch. We also have one of the highest, if not the highest, homeless populations of any high school in Cobb County. Mm. Last year we were the highest. That's not something we want to achieve, but it's what we are. Yeah. And we have one of the most diverse populations of any school in Georgia uh, as far as you know, racial uh, makeup, as far as socioeconomic makeup, as far as faith-based makeup. So we are very diverse. We're not your typical school in Cobb County. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what makes us special. But we have, there are needs that could be filled by our community, and that's one of the reasons I, I appreciated Sam reaching out and, and trying to get this partnership going. Yeah, so last question, mm -hmm. and thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. If you could summarize it for them, what would it mean to the Wheeler High School community for renovation to be a viable and active and present partner? And, and specifically, one of the goals we have is to build out the front of this property and put soccer fields and basketball courts and playground there to create a safe space for the families in this community. What would that mean to the Wheeler community for us to do that and more, but, but even starting there? Yes, uh, you know, I shared earlier, uh, one of our current partners is Grace Marietta Church, but they're like, not even a half a mile from our property. And one of the things they did was change uh, a little area of land next to their church into a basketball court and a playground and a walking trail. And it's a small piece of land. I drive by on a daily basis, and whether it's at night, day, there are kids out there. And when they're out there, they're putting their phones down, they're interacting with each other, they're getting some physical ex exercise, they're out in space. But one of the things you shared was it's a safe place. Uh, a lot of our students, a lot of times, aren't in safe spaces. And when they're not, then they get it filled with things that they shouldn't be. And uh, again, you were talking about where your heart is and everything. Uh, you know, money drives a lot of people and a lot of students, and they want that Lamborghini parked. Well, if they're not hearing about God's giving us blessings based on us giving, then someone else is telling them how they can get that Lamborghini in a different way. Yeah. So I think the church here with what you have started and doing can really make a positive impact in this community and all around. I appreciate you no, so much. Thank well, you, you guys, thank you, principal. Thank you, sir. Thank you.
I'm going to welcome the worship team up now, and we're going to have an opportunity to respond. This is going to be a little different than normal. Um, they're going to sing over us uh, while we do business with God, okay? And the response that we have today first is, is to pray and to ask God what your first and best is for the legacy offering. Now, you see offering and then that parenthetical S because here's the deal. This is just the beginning. We know that everybody's not here. We know that everybody doesn't come every single week. And so we are going to treat the month of December as a legacy opportunity with the hope that we actually double or triple, I believe we could triple our year-end giving from last year. And so we're going to pray and ask God now, what is my first and my best? If I'm a follower of the way of Jesus, I should joyly, joyfully participate. And here's the goal. That's why it's in a different color, right? That's, that's using the, uh, the, the tools of the wicked marketing, right? 100% is our win for today. 100%. That's why I wanted that to stand out. Okay? It, it doesn't matter uh, what size the gift is. Do I want you to tithe? Absolutely. That's what the Bible says, that you can't test God until you tithe. But you've got to condition yourself. Giving is a practice. It is a habit. It is a faith act. And so the goal today is 100%. The goal for the rest of the month is that the hundreds and hundreds of people who call Renovation Church their family, that every single one of them would participate in this opportunity and begin to build a foundation of spiritual, habitual generosity, bringing their first and their best. If we can do what we did on 15%, can you imagine what we would do on 50 or 100? It would be extraordinary. And so here's a prayer that I want to pray over us together, and then the worship team is going to sing, and you're going to have your opportunity to give. In fact, go ahead and uh, throw those slides up for me, uh, the, the giving slides. Here's the prayer. Jesus, thank you for showing us the ultimate example of giving through grace by dying on the cross for our sins. We want all we do to come from the abundance of your, our relationship with you. Work in us the desire and the power to do what you've called us to do and to love others as you do. Father, thank you for what we get to do as your people in your church. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here's your moment. Here's your opportunity. And there's a few ways that you can bring your first and your best back to God. Uh, if you're a part of our community already, then you should be on the Church Center app. If you're part of this church and you're not on the Church Center app, please get on the Church Center app. All right? Uh, that's what we do, all of our communication for groups and everything else. Uh, you can text 84321 to bring your first and your best. There's no keyword. Uh, you just text the amount. And if you've never done it before, uh, then it will take you through a very short and very simple setup process. It literally takes a minute or less to do that. And then, of course, you can bring cash or check to the back, to the red box in the back. But we're going to treat this entire moment as a response time. And so through this entire song, you've got a moment to do business with God, to ask God what your first and your best is, and then to act accordingly in Jesus' name. Any one of these ways work, but the goal today is 100%. Let's go to the Lord. <laughs> 